Hi, this is Gary with the Raw Dog Hawaii, and welcome to Raw Dog Episode 7. Um, Raw Dog Hawaii, Episode 7. Uh, today I'm going to talk about veterinary response. And what I mean by that is when you take your dog to the vet for either a checkup or generally allergy conditions such as licking, chewing the feet, hot spots, rashes, uh, shedding, uh, ear infections, uh, or what looks like ear infections, uh, really dull, patchy skin. Uh, I'm going to describe the process that happens, why it happens that way, and what you can better do as a pet parent to arm yourself with uh, a response, not only to save you money, but to point out the deficiencies in knowledge that most veterinarians have. We talked earlier about veterinarians only getting one credit hour in their freshman year of nutrition covering seven different species. And while that may be an incredible hour, there's no way that anyone can begin to comprehend the nutritional requirements of a companion animal in an hour. Just unless they've got better photographic memory than me and can learn like commander data on star trek it's just not going to happen so what you're going to find is that you're going to take the dog to the vet and your vet let's let's assume that your dog has rashes and what looks like an ear fungus your veterinarian your veterinarian is going to run a blood panel otherwise known as a cbc Hopefully, they will run your analysis as well because the CBC only tells part of the story. Your analysis gives them a, gives us a couple other indicators that are really important in a true diagnosis. Your veterinarian says, we are going to prescribe an antibiotic, possibly, they might say, and we're going we're to prescribe a steroid to get insert this condition here allergies under control. Now this this can uh, appear somewhere along the spectrum of the following, but I'm going to go along what the, the general diagnostic path is, and then I'll tell you where that diagnostic path is failing. First of all, blood work's going to come back, your veterinarian's going to look at it, and based on something on that blood work, I'm not sure what it is, but your veterinarian is going to prescribe an antibiotic. The thought process is not sure what's causing this skin infection. More than likely, it's bacterial, so I'm going to prescribe an antibiotic, and that'll get rid of it. If it doesn't, I'm going to prescribe a steroid, because steroids also tend to get rid of the problem. Now, antibiotic does exactly what it says it's going to do. It's anti-not biotic. It is going to kill all bad bacteria in your dog's gut. It is also going to kill all the good bacteria in your dog's gut. And then for a period of time, usually five to seven days, your dog's symptoms are going to improve. And then they're going to go right back to where they were. Hence, to double down on the corticosteroid, usually prednisone, cytopoint, is another 
a steroid is an autoimmune suppressant. So what the steroid does is suppress those reactions that appear to be or may actually be allergies, food related. Uh, 99% of the time not environmental related, but we can't rule them out because environmental allergies happen. They happen to us, they happen to, uh, they happen to dogs and cats. First of all, on the blood work, you want to look at two things if your veterinarian is going to prescribe an antibiotic. And the first is WBC or white blood cell count. White blood cell count, if high, indicates a bacterial infection. It's that simple. You'll also see uh, possibly a couple other readings like lymphocytes. They may also be high. That kind of additional information is confirming if white blood cell count and lymphocytes are high, my dog probably has a bacterial infection. Viral infections usually aren't going to show up on blood work. So we've, we've got to either confirm or deny the presence of a bacterial infection. Giving a preventative antibiotic or a steroid is nonsense. If your dog doesn't have a high white blood cell count and therefore doesn't have an infection, giving antibiotics only kills good bacteria. There's no bad bacteria to fight off. The dog's body will do a really good job at it if it's being supplied proper nutrition. It'll fight off its own infection, generally speaking. Parvovirus, again, a virus, treatable, but much more severe than uh, just a normal bacterial infection. Your veterinarian will also do a swipe of the ears. It's going to come out stinky. they're going to tell you that's a fungus. That's true, but it is not just a fungus that's naturally occurring. That fungus is occurring because of something in the food that your dog is consuming. If your dog is on a raw diet, no matter of fact, no matter what your dog is on, the first question is usually, what are you feeding your dog? If it's anything besides kibble or canned, you're probably, 95% of the time, going to get the lectures about the hazards, the dangers, uh, the quarantine requirements, the uh, zombie apocalypse that can occur because your dog is eating raw, how dangerous those pathogens are. Uh, Oh my God, chicken little, the sky is falling. Not true, folks. It's not true for little kids who crawl on the ground. It's possibly true, possibly true for people with severely compromised immune systems like they're on chemotherapy and literally if they catch a cold they can get pneumonia and die. That sort of immunocompromised system, not just somebody who's, you know, having a TV watching or just got back from a run kind of day, right? So the other thing well, first of all, know that that's going to happen. So what I tell my clients is if you really don't want to have the argument, or if you really do, uh, you, you can say one of two things. You can either say, yep, my dog eats and insert a dry dog food here, which your vet is then going to recommend that you change to probably 
uh, one of the Hill Seinstein prescription formulas. They're not prescription. I'll get into that later. Uh, but just because it says the word prescription on it, it's not an approved drug by the FDA. Therefore, it is not a prescription drug. They put it on there and nobody has the balls to make them take it off, basically. Or, or a, another, quote, prescription, unquote, diet from Royal Canaan. Or, again, something that the veterinarian sells in their office. You'll probably hear antibiotic and prednisone from, from or to other dog owners at least two or three times while you're in the vet's office. That's, that's just the standard protocol. The second thing that could occur is if your dog is actually already on raw and you're taking your dog in for some other symptom and you're uh, savvy enough not to tell them or just say, I don't discuss my dog's diet, which is going to give you a little dose of further berating, but stand strong, my friends. You don't have to answer that question. And you paid for the blood work you're getting ready to, so you can demand a copy of it while the vet is going over it. If they're not willing to give it to you, again, that goes back to transparency. If they can't be transparent and explain and tell the truth, then you've got to question what their intention is. If they're on a raw diet, you can have two or three blood serum indicators that are going to be different than a kibble-fed dog. Those indicators are bun. This is at the very top of the CBC, so it's not going to be a difficult find. Bun, which is blood urea nitrogen, and creatinine, which is also a different indicator of blood level nitrogen. Why is blood level nitrogen important? Because protein creates high levels of blood nitrogen. So if a dog is on a high protein, totally normal high protein, moderate or mid-fat diet, also totally normal is what they should be eating, then your dog is going to have slightly high levels of both bun and creatinine. Normal. Does not indicate renal failure meaning kidney failure. Doesn't indicate your dog is sick. means your dog's doing perfectly fine. They're supposed to be high because they're eating foods that are both high and cause nitrogen to be in the blood serum. The other indicator that can possibly be high is the liver enzyme ALT. Uh, no need to get into ALT, but again, it's high because your liver is doing its job, which is filtering any potential toxins or heavy metals and just hand, handling the, the protein load uh, that, go into, that goes into the main uh, um, input into the kidney and then gets kind of distributed to one around the, one of the, the seven nodes that are on the outside of the kidney for it to do its processing job. So... If that's the case, they're going to recommend a food chain. They're going to tell you high levels of bun and creatinine lead to early uh, potential kidney failure. You know, you need to put your dog on science diet, usually ID, because it is literally the least bioavailable, biodigestible food on the market. It's total crap. You need to stay away from it at all costs because it doesn't benefit your dog in any way. It harms your dog. Um, Simply read the ingredients, ask yourself what uh, dimethyl cellulose is, uh, and it's basically sawdust that's been broken down by an acid used as a binding agent in dry food. That's all it is. 
methyl cell or cellulose, powdered cellulose, that's just sawdust. Seriously, look it up on Mr. Google or Mr. Webster. They will both uh, give you the full definitions of it. Uh, but if either bun, creatinine, or ALT, uh, rarely AST, but mostly ALT, if those are high, rejoice. Uh, your, jo- your dog is perfectly fine, and they're living a raw, a raw lifestyle, and that's the blood work they should have. If you've gotten your analysis done, not completely necessary, but what you want to look at is urine glucose. Urine glucose is partly a measure of um, diabetes. So if your dog uh, is fat, if your dog is getting a bunch of simple carbohydrates and blood glucose is fat, it wouldn't surprise me that your dog potentially could be a candidate for diabetes and be taking insulin. If you want to fix the diabetes problem, stop feeding processed foods. Go to a raw protein-based diet that has minimum vegetable content. By minimum, I mean under 10% because they really don't need it. And then finally, please look at the ingredients on the bag. And this is the ingredients on the bag of kibble, uh, the ingredients on a can of canned food, raw food, freeze-dried food. I don't care what kind of food. But, but I want you to look on the back, and I want you to look for words that end in meal, meat meal, corn meal. I want you to look for words that end in byproduct. And then I want you to look for words that you can't pronounce. And that's usually the bottom two-thirds of that list. And if you look at another dry food in the grocery store or the big box pet store aisle, you'll very likely see that long list of vitamins and nutrients almost identically, if not identically, duplicated. Here's the scam in that. When food is cooked, and that's vegetables specifically, and then we'll get to meat, but at 135 degrees, you've effectively killed all the vitamin content in the vegetables. You've you've rendered it soluble fiber and possibly insoluble fiber but mainly fiber there's no nutrition left if it's a leafy vegetable or things like carrots and broccoli all they're going to do is crunch it up and poop it out they have no uh, cellulose production in their body so there's nothing that's going to break down a plant fiber wall how do you fix that you juice it and then you put the juice and the plant fiber back in the food so the dog gets the benefit of both. If it's already in the commercial food, ask them, uh, did you macerate this? Did you uh, juice it? How, how did you assure that the dog is getting the benefit of these nice vegetables that you're putting in? And if they tell you dogs can digest vegetables, you already know that if that vegetable has a plant fiber, just like grass, that's a plant fiber, goes in, goes out, ta-da, they don't get any, uh, any nutritional benefit from it. And then finally, I want to talk about uh, bioavailability and digestibility. Bioavailability and digestibility. So just because a food has something in the bag 
Just because something is labeled 100% complete and balanced, that means that that food has passed a laboratory nutritional profile that says this food contains X mineral or X vitamin. Now, that mineral or vitamin can be synthetic, man-made. And that mineral or that vitamin or that food item may not be bioavailable to your dog. It may not be digestible. So why put it in there? Because dog food has to meet a certain nutritional profile to meet the nutritional requirements for all life stages for dogs or cats or to additionally meet the nutritional requirement requirements for higher nutritional requirement animals, pregnant or lactating females or puppies, they burn more energy, they require more calories, they require more fat, they require more nutrients. So those need to also be put in the food. But if they're synthetic, very likely they're not digestible. So I'm taking money, I'm putting it in the food, I'm marking it up, I'm selling it at a retail store, a consumer's buying it, and it's winding up about 60% of it in my backyard. That is also a measure of non-digestibility. If a pound goes in and half a pound comes out, half a pound is not digestible. Not rocket science. On raw food, that percentage for us is 96%, meaning our food is 96% digestible because we target bioavailable and digestible foods in our mixes. Others, uh, and I'm not going to name other names of companies, but when you look at some of the vegetable content, potentially some of the vitamins and minerals that they add back, it's it's easy to see if they're recommending 2 to 3% of a dog's body weight on a daily basis, and we're recommending one and a quarter to one and a half. That may also be an indicator of digestibility, or it may be the manufacturer playing it safe and not willing to look at pictures of your dog's poop to help you figure out if you're feeding enough or you need to feed more. Send us those pictures. We're happy to look at them. Dog poop doesn't offend us, but it gives us a lot of indicators of what a dog is eating and what are the important factors in adjusting your dog's uh, nutritional daily intake. So, to, to summarize this, you're paying your vet for their professional opinion. I happen to have, as of this recording, roughly 16 to 17 hours of companion animal Uh, nutrition and physiology experience. Uh, A lot of it is self-taught. A lot of it is reading the books that veterinarians and veterinary technicians read. Uh, It is not made up in my mind. It is not just some random facts uh, that I decided to put in a podcast today. It's uh, real, verifiable information. Uh, The majority of your veterinarians uh, don't have this information, nor do they take the time to research it. Uh, they're in the sick care business. Uh, they may not want to see your pet as frequently as they do, but that's how they make your money, by you coming back frequently, selling foods, buying medicines. I happen to be in the wellness business, so I like to see dogs not go to veterinarians, not get sick, not have allergies, and to live longer and happier lives. So there's a little difference in the mission that we have. And 
it's pretty simple, straightforward. Um, as long as your dog's healthy, I'm, I'm happy. Couldn't be happier. So if you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at Raw Dog Hawaii. Check out our reviews on Yelp. You'll have to look in Honolulu at Raw Dog Hawaii, and you can see what some of our customers uh, say about us and the benefit that we've provided to their dogs. Sorry, we don't ship to the mainland. One day we may have manufacturing there, and you'll be able to get some of the incredible Hawaii-based proteins that we use in our food. But until then, we are more than happy to recommend some very reliable, very high-quality pet food sources on the mainland for you. So thanks again. Don't hesitate to nail us with some questions. Send us pictures of dog poop, and we'll be happy to look at them and help. Have a great day, and aloha.